The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Got a half a Super Friends show today. Emergency podcast. <laughs> I think we're like, oh, another emergency podcast. Oh, no, no, no. We're sitting around. We're itching. We need it. I need it. Give me that emergency podcast, man. That's how we're at. This is the point we're at. We're looking for somebody to get fired, but it's not the guy you think. It's not Jason Garrett. We'll talk about him in a minute. We don't, this is 3.10 p.m. when we're recording this on New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st, obviously. John Dorsey, however, the Cleveland Browns general manager, has been fired according to multiple reports. Sean Wagner McGough, you and I are here to talk about it. Old school. We used to do podcasts like by ourselves, like on Tuesday nights, back when we just started this podcast. Uh, normally, this would be a super friend show, but we can't get a hold of John Breach and Ryan Wilson. Where could they be? Where could they be? Where could they be? And Where you know, could they be? It's funny. They are actually at the same place. They are at a screening, or not a screening, because they would not get a screening. They are at a showing of the Rise of Skywalker, which I'm sure you guys have heard is a Star Wars movie. So let the record show. The only two people on this podcast who have missed an episode for Star Wars is not me. It's Ryan Wilson and it's John Breach. You hate to see it. Life comes at you fast, just like how life comes <laughs> at you fast with John Dorsey and the Browns. Yeah, so look. The Browns fired Freddie Kitchens. Oh, yeah, by the way, we'll talk about J.J. Watt's injury, um, Ron Rivera, a little more chatter on Ron Rivera. Uh, not officially finalized, but it – does appear that he is, in fact, going to be the coach of the Washington Redskins. I would urge you to check out the coaching rumor Black Monday Roundup. We talked about that at length with all four of us. Had some, I thought, some good insight into Ron Rivera in Washington, um, and uh, and all the other stuff that happened. Did we? Did we? Did we do a Doug Marone podcast? We didn't, did we? <laughs> this happened hours ago. You can't remember. No, we didn't. <laughs> okay, so Doug Marone not fired. We'll get to that as well. Are right, you and I'll do like a little nice. I even squeeze a break in here. You got time, right? You're not going anywhere. I'm going down to the. I'm going down to a food hall for uh, in, a, in a couple hours, in like an hour for uh, for a kids' New Year's party, fireworks watch, and then we're going to watch an acorn drop. That's the traditional New Year's thing in uh, in Raleigh. So. By the way, this is how Brinson ropes people into podcasts. He, told, he tells me we're just going to podcast about John Dorsey. Next thing I know, we've got a break scheduled. We've got eight topics, but let's do it. Sure. And um, my wife is texting me. This, what on earth is happening? I swear to God, if the Brown, if the, if the Cowboys fire Jason Garrett at eight o'clock tonight, I will, I will riot. Uh, anyway, first up, first things first. John Dorsey fired as the Cleveland Browns' uh, general uh, manager. He was hired. Um, let's see, I had it up. I think it's December second, two thousand seventeen, and that seems like a weird time. It it, it could, but uh, the the reason is that. Sashi Brown was fired in the middle of the season, and I believe that John Dorsey was hired in the middle of the season. Uh, December, December 7th. 7th. Yeah. December 7th, yeah. So, just to recap, under the watch of Jimmy Haslam, the owner, the Cleveland Browns have employed as general manager 
Tom Heckard, who was fired by Jimmy Haslam. Mike Lombardi, who lasted one year before being fired by Jimmy Haslam when he worked with uh, 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 Joe Banner, excuse me, who was the uh, president. Um, Ray Farmer was fired after one and a half years. He had that whole scandal texting from the texting from the box. Sashi Brown fired after one year. And now John Dorsey fired after less than two years. At the same time, they've fired, I think, five or six coaches. I don't know. I don't know if this is a you know John Dorsey got fired from Kansas City unexpectedly as we pointed out, um, and now has been fired unexpectedly from Cleveland. Do you think this is more of a Browns thing or a Dorsey thing? Browns thing, a hundred percent. And uh, I don't, I don't think John Dorsey deserved to get fired. And I think if you want to say he deserved to get fired, I think it's for one move. It's for hiring Freddie Kitchens. I mean, that's the move that I think that got him fired. But we've been talking about it all season long. This team is really talented, and it got squandered by bad coaching. Uh, the reason this team is talented, I mean, yes, you have to give Sashi Brown uh, some credit, long pass. Uh, he's been there just because he acquired so many draft picks. But John Dorsey picked a lot of good players uh, that, that are still on the Browns roster. Uh, you can go down the list. And Baker Mayfield, I think, was still a good pick, even if Baker regressed in year two. Denzel Ward, I think, is a good pick. Uh, Nick Chubb in the second round. And... Uh, Look, a lot of running backs were taken before him, including Sony Michelle with the Patriots. So it's not like everyone thought Nick Chubb should have been drafted that high. Um, I thought even though Antonio Callaway clearly did not work out, I think he was worth the risk, and I understand why he took him in the fourth round. Um, and then this year he got Greedy Williams in the second round. Uh, Mac Wilson started 14 games for them, and he was in the fifth round. So I think John Dorsey actually did a pretty good job of accumulating talent. The reason it seems like I would guess the Browns did this is they want – they don't want to do a half measure. We talked about this yesterday with the, like the Giants firing the coach and then forcing a new coach to work with a GM. So I think from that perspective, it makes sense. And look, if you want to lure, say, Josh McDaniels um, from New England, I'm guessing Josh McDaniels wants to bring in someone from the Patriots along with him, whether it's Nick Casario or someone else. So from that perspective, I get it. But from John Dorsey's perspective, I think he's going to be fine. I think some other teams should want him because I think if you go back and look at what he did with the Chiefs, there's a lot of good players he picked. D. Ford, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, Marcus Peters, uh, Mitch Morse, Chris Jones in the second round. So Tyreek Hill in the fifth round. So I think he's going to be coveted. He will be fine. Uh, the Browns probably won't be fine, to be honest, because this is just who they are. Yeah. Um, there's a report out there that uh, I think from Mike Garofalo of – yeah, Mike uh, Mike reports that Browns assistant GM Elliot Wolf remains in place, sources say, at least for now, anyway. Um, hmm, interesting that Elliot Wolf would hang around as the assistant GM. There is some talk about bringing Anthony Barry back, I believe, to bridge the gap between the business and the football side of things. Look, the, here's the problem. You can't go all in on Sashi Brown and analytics and acquiring draft picks and doing all the stuff that you want to do, strip the team down, reboot it with Sashi, you know, trying to, you know, with Hugh Jackson and Sashi, and then fire Sashi midstream on that plan, give all the picks to freaking John Dorsey and let him move around the board and get all the players he wants and hire the guy. I mean, like, Lockin' Forward, JLC's pointed out on this podcast that he's pretty sure it's Freddie, that it was Jimmy D. Haslam who wanted Freddie Kitchens, right? 
you go all in on Baker. Like John Dorsey's Baker's guy. What what kind of message does this send to your fan base? Does it send to your quarterback? Does it send to whoever the hell you're trying to establish that you're going to fire the GM, fire the coach after one and a half years for the GM, one and a half for the coach as running backs coach? I get firing Freddie Kitchens. That's fine. Whatever. But like, is John Dorsey the guy that you trust to run the organization or is he not? Is Jimmy Haslam like the biggest clown of all time who just can't help but be like manipulated by people in his organization who work for him? Cause Hugh Jackson talked him into firing Sashi and then Dorsey talked him into firing Hugh and now apparently like Paul DePodesta or somebody's talked him into firing John. I mean like what is going on? This like if you're a Browns fan, I tweeted this, but like you, you have, if you want to get, if you want amnesty for switching to another team, go for it, man. Go find another team. Go find the good group for the Bills or something. At least they're like being sensible about this. The Browns are a total disaster. This is humiliating if you're a Browns fan. There's no forward thinking progress. And yeah, maybe they get Josh McDaniels out of this, but I mean, like, I don't know. It just I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that John Dorsey inherited an 0 16 team. That was the season he was hired sure. when they were well on the way to go to 0-16. He pieced together a roster that went 7-8-1 and in 2018. And I think it was Breach who said on, on yesterday's podcast that, I mean, they went 6-10 and this year. By Brown standards, that's a close to successful season. Uh, and so I think to what you're saying, this franchise is in such bad shape that whoever is going to take them out of the mud and turn them into a good franchise – needs more time, I think, than two seasons. They need time to actually implement a vision. And switching out guys in the front office every two years is not going to accomplish anything. You there's, need there's, one guy no and football, trust his vision. There's no, there's no GM or head coach on the planet who can flip a team like the Browns around in 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 48 or like in 24 hours or 48 hours, you know, whatever the metaphor would be, but like in one year. It just doesn't happen. Right, and – I mean, do you remember that report that came out in December? I thought it only related to Kitchens. It was about how the Browns actually never saw 2019 as a as the season they were going to put it all together, and they just wanted to take steps forward, and 2020 was going to be the year. I dismissed that as the time as, you know, they're trying to save Kitchens' job and justify why they're keeping him. But I actually think that kind of has – they kind of have a point. Things don't change overnight, and I know they over – they exceeded expectations in 2018. I don't think going – in six and ten with Freddie Kitchens in 2019 is the end of the world. This is still a talented team, and you should have given Dorsey, I think, one more shot to hire the right coach. It's really rare for a GM to only get one crack at hiring a coach when you exceed expectations in your first year. So that's what I think is really disappointing to me that he got one bad year and they and they yanked the cord right away. The only reason why you would do this is that you. You believe that, um, you have somebody in place that, like, you have somebody out there that you can bring in. By the way, the Belk Ball just ended on a, uh, return fumble. Scoop and score by Kentucky, if you care about that. Um, Kentucky covers and wins. Who are they playing? Uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech and Bud Foster, their defensive coordinator, were up the entire game and then gave up an 85-yard touchdown march at the end to lose. So that's a dagger for them. Um, the only reason, the only reason you do it is if you have something or somebody in place. Uh, look, like, I mean, I'm not gonna say good job Browns if they're like, hey, we hired Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario, but I'll at least be like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Like your your thought process here. My issue is that I just feel like, like I would rather be, I would feel more comfortable banking on the Redskins to win eight games next year than the Browns right now. Maybe not eight games, but like (laughs) 
it feels like at least at least the Redskins are like, okay, you know what? We've got a contaminated product. Let's rip it all down. Let's start over. The Browns are like, okay, let's. What if we just do another reboot after two years? Like that, it doesn't work like that. And I, I mean, they have Baker. I, I get it. But like he Dorsey's the guy who went and put his freaking nuts on the table and drafted Baker number one. Like nobody thought that was coming until the morning of the draft. All of this is very, it's just, you, you better have somebody good lined up that you're bringing in or else this is a colossal failure. If you get turned down by every, like, interesting coaching candidate name, like Matt Rule won't interview there. So you get, you get turned down by him. If you get turned down by McDaniels, if you get turned down by Kevin Kevin Sipansky, if you get turned down by Mike McCarthy, all these guys turn you down and you end up, like, hiring Urban Meyer, I got questions. It feels very reactionary because if you take a step back and you still look at this Browns roster that, again, John Dorsey has played a major hand in assembling, I think you can say, you know what, we are a lot better off than we were three or four years ago. Things didn't come together in 2019, but this is still the best roster that we've had in Cleveland in a decade. And I think that's what they should have done, taken the step back there. But to your point. If they go hire Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining. But now suddenly a lot is riding on this coaching and GM search. The only thing that makes sense to me, if they're targeting someone who they know wants to bring someone with them. Because I don't think it makes sense. Are you just going to promote Elliot Wolf? Which I, I, would make sense. I mean, he was highly regarded um, in Green Bay. I think actually Favre told you on this podcast that he was surprised that Wolf didn't get the job um, when they restructured the front office. So – Maybe that makes sense, but at the same time, if you're just going to promote from within, you're not really having a, much, a bunch of change. You might as well just keep John Dorsey. I, I agree completely. I, it, we'll, so we'll see who they hire. It's going to be a mess. It, look, it happens in Cleveland every year. This is the surprise firing, though, by the way, right? Like we did, we thought we were going to get a head coach. It was a surprise firing. Instead, it's John Dorsey who got fired uh, as the surprise fire. Okay, so Doug Marone, not fired. Debo, do the break signal if I need a break. Um, Doug Marone, not fired. Cause I can, I can see you guys. Sometimes Debo's hidden in the dark. He hides in the shadows, lurking. He's like a podcast Batman. Um, without any cool toys. The, um, <laughs> the, so just uh, a guy, so just a guy in a mask. Just a guy, just a <laughs> creepy guy in a mask. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> it's a guy in a rubber mask walking around the office. Uh, Doug Marone. Retained by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bop, 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 breaking news. Doug Marone retained. Doug Caldwell retained. Like this, if I was asked, Darren, my buddy Darren Smith, who does radio in San Diego, was like, okay, so what would constitute an emergency podcast for you guys? Like, what would, where, where are we talking about? Where is the line? Where is the line? Um, I was like, all right, so here it is, Darren. If I'm talking to you on the radio and Jason Garrett's fired, I have to hang up and go do an emergency podcast. If Ron Rivera is hired, I will finish out the conversation and then we'll, uh, and then I'll go do the podcast. If Doug Marone is fired, I'm not even going to hang up. I'm not even going to talk to you about Doug Marone, but Doug Marone was retained by the Jaguars. So I guess we have to talk about it. Um, sounded like it sounds to me, Sean, based on sort of what Shad Khan said. Um, and you know, we have quotes. I'm not gonna read all he was like, while our discussions will remain confidential, the decision I am making to keep our staff intact for 2020 has nothing to do with our victory on Sunday and everything to do with my positive meetings with Dave, Doug, 
the coordinators and our players, as well as my belief that this is not the time to consider an overhaul of our organization. The 2019, 2019 season was unacceptable, and I've made my dis- dissatisfaction clear. While many unusual circumstances influence our season, none can fully explain or defend our second-half collapse with first, first place in the division within reach on Week 9. At the same time, there are positive developments and contributions that should not be overlooked. Um, what was the thing? Oh, yeah, he said, goals have been established. Accountability will be paramount. I actually photoshopped a, uh, a T-shirt that I'm going to try and get the Jaguars to sell. It says accountability. Oh no, goals? Question mark established. And on the back it says accountability? Question mark paramount. And then on the M is a big giant Shad Khan mustache. Um, the exact the position of executive vice president of a football ops will not be filled in 2020. Dave and Doug will each continue to report directly to me as they have since mid December when he fired Tom Coughlin. And he said one more thing. What was it? Um, sorry. Uh, he basically said that one of the things it, it seemed to me in the statement, I can't, I can't find it in here, but he, he basically said like, he's like it, meeting with them. Like he was like, I discovered new things. In other words, it sounds like they got in the meeting, Doug Marone and, and, uh, and Dave Caldwell did, and they just kicked Tom Coffin under the bus over and over and over and over again until his old lifeless corpse was rolling around underneath the wheel. Yeah, they must have had a really impressive PowerPoint that they showed him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Caldwell is probably the guy, if I had to fire one of them, that he would be the guy. I mean, the the problem with evaluating Caldwell's job the last couple of years is you don't really know, I guess, how much input he had versus Tom Coughlin saying – this is the way this we're drafting this guy over this guy. Uh, I mean, Ryan hit the nail on the head with with uh, Marone. Who are you hiring? Is there anyone that we know is better than Doug Marone? Is there a coach in football who is winning with Blake Bortles at quarterback, with Nick Foles at starting quarterback over the course of an entire season, or with Gardner Minshew at quarterback? Um, so it's hard for me to place a lot of blame on Doug Marone. The only one thing I'll say is that his defenses have tended to quit in the second half of the season the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, things were bad two years ago when Jalen Ramsey was there, and obviously Ramsey's gone, so you don't know how much to blame him for that. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this franchise isn't going to win until they draft a quarterback. And if you look at a lot of their decisions, 2017, Leonard Fournette, fourth overall. Uh, Tom Coughlin was there, right? Or was that pre-Tom Coughlin? Tom Coughlin drafted Leonard Fournette. Okay. There was a discussion that they wanted to Sean Watson at four. Pete Briscoe, no, Pete Briscoe has reported on this pod and on Twitter, wherever else, on CBSSports.com. They liked Deshaun Watson a lot, and we're going to draft that's, Deshaun Watson at four instead of Leonard Fournette. I mean, whoops. That's Everybody that's the draft. That. That's the draft mistake that is like the Bears trading up for Trubisky gets more of the attention in that draft. But at the very least, the Bears have the, the idea to get a quarterback and not a running back. The Jaguars taking a running back over um, Mahomes and over Watson is really the bigger crime, even if Fournette's a better player than Mr. Trubisky. Unquestionably. Way worse. Like, I'd rather – like, you would trade – if you're the ja- – with well, the Jaguars would definitely trade Leonard Fournette for Trubisky, right? I don't know. Oh, no. Because at least like for that, you're like we're not going to extend him. <laughs> like, like we just wasted a fourth a fourth overall pick on a uh, on a running back, but we're not going to extend him at least. It's funny though, because if you actually though look at their draft picks with uh, Caldwell, and again, who knows how much input he had versus Coughlin, they've actually done pretty well. That you could actually see this team 
getting a big bounce if they are able to locate a quarterback. The problem being is they have Nick Foles under contract um, at a hefty price. Like, they got Josh Allen at number seven, which I think was a steal. Jawan Taylor in the second round, which when people were mocking him to go to them in the first round. Uh, DJ Chark in the second round. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Unique Ngagwe, and that was before Coughlin was there. So I think Caldwell has done certain— Caldwell has, made some, has had some good drafts. Sure, he right. Blake Bortles third overall and passed him to Sean Watson, but what, you know, we're not, not going to nitpick completely. <laughs> um, the, uh, here, here's the thing that bugs me about all this. And like, I like the, the Khan family. I don't know Shad. Um, I know Tony Khan fairly well. And, um, like, I, I like the cons a lot. And I think, I think they've been great for Jacksonville, which is where my, mo- my mom's family is from. So I'm, I'm a big supporter of Jacksonville. My aunt and uncle are huge Jaguars fans. Um, I, I like the city of Jacksonville. I think they'd be good for Jacksonville. I think it'd be great for the team. It's been way better than when Wayne, Wayne Weaver owned it. But here's here's the problem. If you're going to bring Tom Coughlin in there, like how are you going to bring Tom Coughlin in and allow Tom Coughlin to trade Jalen Ramsey? And, you know what I mean? And like and then like do all this stuff and then be like, oh, crap. Like step in would be like, I don't know. We should trade Jalen Ramsey. Like th- there's there's a fundamental lack of connection there in terms of how they're running the team. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and the same thing in Cleveland. Like you can't like I don't think Bob Kraft is dealing with every single or like Dan Rooney is dealing with every single transaction that happens with their franchises. But I think they have a pretty good idea of what's happening and they trust the guys that are working for them to be reasonable about their approach. Whereas the the Browns are like, Oh hell, I don't know, just go have fun and then you know and then it's like, Oh my god, we're not ten and six? Like, well, I guess I gotta fire everybody. And like, what are the cons? They're like, ah, oh, I can't believe this season keeps falling apart year after year after year. It, it's just very bizarre to me. So, whatever. Keep Doug Marone. Get him to the next CBA. I don't care. To your point, it, it's wild that the guy who traded, they let the guy trade um, Jalen Ramsey and then and fired him months later. Like, these are franchise-altering decisions. Whether it's a mistake or not, we'll see based on who they draft. Um, and sign Nick Foles to a big contract, and the guy who did it is all gone. Like, like if you're gonna if you're gonna let Tom Coughlin, you need to if if Tom if Jalen Ramsey's demanding a trade, and Tom Coughlin is you're you're deciding am I going with Tom Coughlin or am I going with Jalen Ramsey, you need to make a lot like you're doubling down on Tom Coughlin. So you can't go with Jalen Ramsey and then fire Tom Coughlin. Like why would you do that? Just it, I don't, it, it's 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 mind boggling. It's just not a great way to run a franchise. Um, let's take a break and we come back. Well, uh, I will taunt Sean about Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears 2020 starting quarterback. This is, this is, it's a long con. I don't really care about Dorsey or, or Marone. I just wanted to have you on to talk about Trubisky. I know, and you didn't tell me until I got on the podcast. I mean, obviously not. Uh, and then we also talk about Jason Garrett's mystery box item number, like door number three. What could happen with Jason Garrett plus much more after the break? The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, 
used to go as a kid. Wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so um, look again, we're recording this around 3.30 p.m. Tuesday afternoon. The NFL is stupid and annoying. There are no time constraints when it comes to how NFL teams handle things. It's entirely possible that the Dallas Cowboys don't want to be embarrassed and release the news about Jason Garrett at like they want to like for you could see the Cowboys being like, let's bury it at 4:30 p.m. on New Year's Eve and like no one will talk about it. Like, couldn't you see that being their thought process? I don't know because I think they love the attention. Jerry, I think Jerry loves the attention. Uh, I mean, the only thing going against that is he also loves Jason Garrett and he probably doesn't want to you know throw Jason Garrett to the wolves I mean the more we the more Ooh. this lingers yes go ahead the more the time passes uh the more I think there's a chance Jason Garrett returns and it would be insane and we know at least one person who we work with Jared Dubin who would probably consider rescinding his Cowboys fandom or just hate himself Hate, hate the Cowboys even more, but yeah. the longer the, I don't know what they're waiting for. There is no logic. What are they talking about in these meetings? We keep on hearing, "Oh, Garrett exited a meeting with the Joneses." So what they met. Being so the, Jones, the Joneses and Jason Garrett met on Monday, and then they met again on Tuesday. And, Jay, and then Ian, Ian Rapport of NFL Network reported on Tuesday afternoon that they met and there was no resolution. What do you mean? <laughs> but like, what is there to resolve? The contract is – so this is what I'm, t- I'm telling you. There's something about this contract date that doesn't make any sense. Uh, like but why would there be a resolution? So unless they owe Jason Garrett th- $3 million that they fire him before January 14th, like what's the res- – here's the resolution, Jason. You're fired. Now get out of the building. Look, we love you, buddy, but get lost. Like, unless there's some kind – there's got to be some kind of early termination fee. I just like the idea of, of the Joneses telling, look, Jason, like – we're gonna have to let you go, and Jason's just going, nah, nah, I don't, I don't think so. And then, well, and then Jerry going, oh, okay, like maybe tomorrow we'll reach a resolution on this. But it's the the Seinfeld episode where George is trying to break up with Mora, and he's like, Mora, I'm I'm breaking up with you. She's like, I don't think so, George. He's like, what do you mean? No, nah, it's a mutual breakup, and I'm not I'm not agreeing to it. And he's like, turn it. She's like, he's like, we're submarine captains. We both have to turn our keys in order to activate the nuclear warhead. And he's like, turn your key, Mora. Jason Garrett's just like, I'm not turning my key. I'm not leaving. You can't make me leave. I'm the coach of the Cowboys. I, I just don't, I don't get how this is happening. It, it's one of, it's one of two things. Or is it one of three things? Okay, one of four things. <laughs> either Jason, either J.U. Jones just wants all the attention. That's entirely possible and likes to drag this out through, uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Uh, two, that there is that contract clause or some kind of clause in the contract that they're trying to negotiate around so they don't have to pay him $3 million. Because I get it. I wouldn't want to do that either. Screw up in accounting. Screw up in payroll. It's a whole it's a whole thing. Taxes. Uh, 
three that Jerry Jones is stringing this out because he wants to interview Matt Rule on January second after Matt Rule plays Georgia in the for Baylor in the in the Sugar Bowl on on to, on Wednesday night. Or four, and I didn't mention this on yesterday's show, but I think this is interesting, Sean. There is a rumor out there that the Cowboys, if the Vikings get smoked by the Saints in the playoff, that the Cowboy, that the Vikings might be interested in moving on from Mike Zimmer and that the Cowboys could trade for Mike Zimmer this offseason. But if you're, Jerry, so if you're Jerry Jones, the logic here, and I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense, but just hear me out is that you string out the Jason Garrett thing, get as close to the playoff as you can, hide for the weekend, see what see what happens with Minnesota. Because Minnesota wins, Zimmer keeps his job next year, no, no questions. If Minnesota gets blasted by the Saints, you call and say, listen, we want Mike Zimmer. What's it, what's it going to be? And you can work it out around the January 14th thing. And then, like, because you, you don't want to go hire somebody. You don't want to start interviewing and then have, you know, and, like, commit to somebody. And, like, Lincoln Riley says yes, but then you can get Mike Zimmer or something like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know why they can't fire Garrett and still do all those things. So this is, so this is, this isn't a theory, but this is what I think the delay means. I think it means that the Cowboys are not looking to hire anyone who is available right now. Because, because if they were, they would be giving the Giants, their rival, the Redskins, um, who are going to hire Ron Rivera, a giant head start and you can't do that. So I don't know how Jason Garrett delay how that why they're delaying it but I think what it means is you can safely rule out any coach right now who could sign and hire like I don't think they're obviously not in on Mike McCarthy for example because that would make no sense to let McCarthy go interview with three teams and not throw your name to the and not that's throw his great, name into the hat so yeah that's what so I like, think that means and, and Matt Rule again has been rumored connected with the Giants and the Panthers he has told his team he's told his team at Baylor that he is talking to these NFL teams because he'd be stupid not to and he's right like you would be foolish not to talk to these teams um, but he's not available to hire. He's not going to announce that he's taking a job somewhere. And if he, his agent is going to be good enough, he'll know to talk to the Cowboys on the side and be like, Hey, listen, Matt's not going to interview formally with anybody until after, you know, until after the, uh, until after the Super Bowl. So that's, that's where we're at. The Cowboys, that 10 minute segment could be de- completely debunked in, in the span of 30 seconds. If, if Jerry Jones gets a skeeter up his rear or something like that, um, what uh, was I going to go to? Oh, yeah, Mr. Trubisky. Oh, no, sorry, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, not officially hired by the Redskins, but reportedly it's a done deal. Um, they also, there's some buzz about them moving on from their S senior VP of football operations as well. I mean, to me, the lesson is that Dan Snyder is willing to clean house in whatever shape or fashion Ron Rivera requests at this point. Any other takeaway from all that stuff? No, and, and I mean, Dan Snyder deserves a lot of blame for the Redskins' woes over the years, but this is a smart thing. If you want, like, you're bringing in a coach like this, give him what he wants. Don't do a half measure. You know what I yeah. mean? Give him exactly what he wants. I, I agree completely. Like, let him, let him, um, let him add whoever he needs to add to build out the, the football operations. And, like, if you're Dan Snyder, you know, there's no guarantee that this is going to work out. Like, Ron Rivera could have three losing seasons. Dwayne Haskins could be a bust. And he gets fired after three seasons. And that, I mean, that's absolutely on the table in terms of the outcomes for this. But if you're Dan Snyder, why don't you take a peek at how Ron's doing this? And, like, consider it for the future so you don't have Bruce Allen, again, yeah. like, sitting on the couch with a 
a box of Coors Light, you know, hanging it might, out. It might end up being the exact same Redskins over and over again, sure. but at least this process seems better. Um, and if they repeat this process enough times, in theory, they will finally get a winning team. Uh, kind of tangentially, I was thinking, is it kind of weird that we haven't seen Jay Gruden's name floated anywhere for coaching jobs? He's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. That's officer. true. That's true. I've been saying, I, don't, I can't believe I already forgot. Yeah. That was your idea, I think, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, Jack Del Rio, reportedly going to be, uh, Ron Rivera's defensive coordinator. How do you like that hire? I kind of like it. Jack Del Rio is a good I, defensive coordinator. I think it's fine. I mean, I, I don't, I don't I think it's, it's never a bad thing when you have multiple head coaches on your coaching staff. Like I when think those guys are rolling around Indy at the combine, you are not effing with the Washington Redskins coaching staff. Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio would kick the kick anybody's ass. Like I would take them, I would take them over like any two other human beings I know in a bar fight. Sure, but does Jack that Del Rio's huge. does that, does that help you win football games? I just think they're, I, I don't know, they're like, that's, they're both disciplined, old school football guys. It'll I, help the culture, I think. It'll, it'll help be the a culture, culture shift. If they add Chase, if they add Chase Young to that defense, or even trade down and, and get a bunch of picks and, and get some defensive players, like, I think there's a lot to like about what Del Rio could do. And that also would lead me to believe, I, th- I would assume that they're going to run a 4-3. There'd been some buzz that Dan Snyder wanted to go to a 4-3 for like some time now, which is hilarious, like beyond hilarious. Like Dan Snyder's like, I really think a 4-3 is what could fix the Redskins guys. <laughs> I like that he, he has this idea after like base defenses are, don't even matter anymore too. <laughs> He's like 10 years late to it. You know what it is? It's our 3-4 that's causing the Redskins to flounder and no one shows up to our games. That's it. It's not the offensive nickname and, the lack of facilities, the fact that we're 40 miles out of Washington, D.C., or we field a crappy football team for five, 15 straight years. Nope, it's a 3-4 defense. Um, Jack Del Rio, by the way, hasn't had a top 10 defense by points allowed what? since 2012. I'm watching the Sun Bowl on CBS Sports right now, and it is thrilling. 9 nothing, Arizona State over Florida State. One of our two bowl games. Didn't Prisco go to Arizona State? He did. They're trash. Herm Edwards is their coach now. Do you know? Hey, that? hey, did you hear that Cal won a bowl game against I Tom Finelli's team? I bet on Cal. Minus five and a half. Yeah, Tom was telling me minus Tom seven and a half. Take the yeah. money line. Get out of here, Finelli. Yeah, you, you should be trashing him more. I like those tweets. I couldn't tweet at him and, and, and trash talk him because he would be like, what bowl game did NC State go to? And He actually mentioned you. I don't know if he saw. I don't think he tagged you. He did? Yeah. What did he say? I was bragging at halftime. He said, "This is the equivalent of Brinson buying bowl game tickets for NC State after they start two and two or something." I think Fernelli. Fernelli, this is the podcast. Long time, good friend of the show. Um, my wife actually asked how he was the other day. They've hung out before. Anyway, derailed. Um, something else to do. Look, look at look at Diva's face. The, the anguish. <laughs> uh, thank you, Diva. Um, oh, J.J. Watt is playing. That's who it was. Thanks, Diva. J.J. Watt is scheduled to play, and it sounds like Will Fuller might play for the Texans as well. Uh, I have said I'm all in on the Bills this week. Do J.J. Watt and Will Fuller change your opinion of the Bills and Texans at all? I mean, I think Will Fuller, to me, moves the needle a bit more. I think he just opens up so much more in that offense with with Hopkins. Even Kenny Stills, I think, gets a little bit more involved. Uh, the, the problem with Will Fuller is he can be active for a game, 
Uh, let's see if he can actually play in four, in four quarters because he seems to pick up a new injury uh, every single 15 minutes. Uh, the J.J. Watt thing is interesting. I mean, look, Watt's not the same player he was in our all-decade team is coming out tomorrow. Um, so I, And I just wrote the section on J.J. Watt, and it's pretty remarkable. We forget he had two 20-and-a-half sack seasons within mm-hmm. three years, which is just borderline insane. Uh, he had four sacks in eight games. I think he helps, uh, but Will Fuller to me is actually, I think, the, the guy that moves the needle a little bit more. I agree. That Well, I mean, I think if J.J. Watt is actually healthy, then it's a huge upgrade. Their run defense becomes substantially better with a healthy JJ Watt. Like it fell off a cliff when JJ Watt got hurt. And I don't like that would, that would inherently pin basically the entire game on Josh Allen and John Brown, which I don't mind against the Texans secondary. I think that would be fine, but I would vastly prefer to be able to lean on Devin Singletary in, in this sort of case. And, um, Watt, uh, also said, he knows there's an increased risk that he could tear the muscle again, the pectoral muscle, by going out there and playing. But he thinks he's wor- he thinks it's worth it again to have a chance to play the season. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, if this was five years ago, I would disagree. But we just mentioned JJ Watt's already past his prime. You don't know how many more playoff runs he's going to yeah. get. I-, I think it's fine to risk it. Um, he's all re- like he's 30. He's going to turn 31 in the off season. I would go for it. So you're. The four seed, if you win and the Patriots win, you're going to Baltimore. So your path is either as the four seed, um, beat Buffalo at home, beat the Ravens on the road, beat the Chiefs slash Patriots on the road, or <laughs> I guess you could also like beat the Bills at home, beat the Chiefs on the road, beat the Titans at home. Either one feels like a stretch, but you have Deshaun Watson, you have JJ Watt. You, I mean, like, you, you know, I don't, I don't mind. You know how many times you go back to the playoffs? Get out there and play. But I, you know what? I would only say I'll be like, I'm playing if Will Fuller's playing. <laughs> <laughs> like Fuller, Fuller and that banged up Hammy's getting out there too. I'll give him a hundred grand. Go play. Um, Fuller changes the offense dramatically. They are so much better when Will Fuller plays. So uh, both guys very important. Would would maybe um, sort of flip how I. I was going to ask you, do you pick the Texans now? You've been pretty uh, adamant the Bills are going to win this game. Yeah, I would still ride Bills. I do think if you bet on the Bills on our advice at all, and you got them at three and a half, which would be lovely. I don't, I don't know if that's uh, possible based on the market. I think that sort of got uh, gobbled up. Um, yeah, there's still, you could, has, it looks like it might go to, Texans are still minus two and a half. It might go to three soon. I would, I mean, if you, if you have the bills at three and a half, I would take a little bit out, like probably 50% and put it on the Texan 50. Like I would put another, I would put 50% of my bills investment on the Texans minus two and a half. And then you just hope it lands on three and you cash, yeah, yeah, yeah. cash 1.5. Right. Um, and worst case you're down a half a unit. So like I would do that if I had three and a half, if I had three, I wouldn't do it. I would just ride it out. It looks like it's going to go back to three. Um, but you know, if you, if you, if you, if Watt and Fuller worry you that much, you can buy out. I'm still going to, ride the bills, I think, but certainly it makes an impact. Um, finally, we know reason we had this podcast. Mr. Trubisky. He's a starter in 2020 for the Chicago Bears. How excited are you? I'm going to read to you a quote from March 10th, 2017 from Ryan Pace. Mike Glennon is our starting quarterback, and we are <laughs> fired up about that. So this is my point, is that 
No, I know the point. He drafted Mr. Trubisky two months later. <laughs> and, and he thought Mike Lennon could be a possible and, starting quarterback. And he sent Mike Lennon to the draft party and didn't tell him that he was drafting Trubisky. What an a-hole move. Um, Stinks. It's concerning um, that Ryan Pace would come out and so vehemently defend uh, Trubisky. Uh, but if anyone was expecting Pace to come out and say, Trubisky sucks. There's no way he can start next year. We're done. He was never going to do that. The problem is there was a middle ground that I think he should have walked, which was, look, Trubisky's going to be back next year. We still believe in his ability to improve. We're not giving up on him. That said, we are going to explore our options in free agency and in the draft. And if we can upgrade at that at quarterback, as is the case with every single position, we are going to do that. And we're going to see who win. Then we would see who wins the competition over the summer. That's what he should have said. Don't write off Trubisky. Don't throw him under the bus because like it or not, even if he's a backup next year, he's going to be back on the team. He has a cap hit of $9 million. That's pretty much like what Chase Daniel. I mean, I like, I joke about it, but they're picking up his fifth year option this offseason. They, they should. Yes. I mean, they should. It would be stupid if they didn't pick it up. It's guaranteed for injury only. And if he balls out next year and you don't pick up the fifth year option, you look like an idiot. Yeah, you have to franchise tag him, and it costs you, like, $7 million. But the reason I read that Mike Lennon quote is I don't still entirely believe that Trubisky is going to be the starter for the Bears until I see what they do in free agency. Because I don't think Ryan Pace necessarily gains anything by saying, oh, we are going after Cam Newton, we're going after Phillip Rivers, we're going after everyone. Uh, But am I a little bit more worried now? Yes. Because I think there was a middle ground he could have walked. There's nobody who loves... Um, being like stupid sneaky more than Ryan Pace. Like remember, he went to the Sun Bowl on CBS Sports between Stanford and Carolina, Mr. Trubisky's final game, and he wore like he bought a ticket. He like didn't want to have his name on the the press box, and he wore sunglasses and like a fake mustache and a hat. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. I'm so. It's like Ryan Pace. No one's recognizing you. Okay, like <laughs> if you walk around a crowd, like you're just you're you're out in Arizona. You're a Semi-tall, normal-looking white guy. Good-looking white guy. Yeah, like dude, dude, there's a million of us. Like you're taller than me. That's fine. Maybe better look at me. Whatever. There's a million of us out there, pal. So, I'm not going to get worked up about it. Am I worried? I again, there's a middle ground he should have walked, which was we still believe in him. However, it's at every position we always look to get better. So we will see if we can get better at that position. Um, but I don't. I'm not going to panic i'm not going to get mad i mean i'm a little bit mad but i'm not going to get mad until i if they go through free agency without signing someone then i will panic but until that happens i'm not going to fully panic i do think that it's possible that they sign someone who isn't that big a threat to him just sign a new chase daniel uh marcus Mariota. i don't think marcus Mariota is a huge threat to mitchell trubisky like if they don't want him to be he doesn't have to be yeah, you know who the interesting name is that I think I brought up a couple months ago, and I would still like to see how it plays out. Let me guess. Hold on. Is it? Is not Andy Dalton, Philip Rivers? No, those are obvious names. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking out, outside the box. No, right, hold on. Let this me, is a real outside the box possibility. Uh, is he old or young? Old. Josh McCown? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh-huh. Not that old. I would. By the way, I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's not Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I would take uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in a heartbeat. Who's an old quarterback? I don't know. Who is it? Alex Smith, if he's healthy. Oh yeah, that's a good call. I mean, he balled out with Matt Nagy in in Kansas City. He's thirty six. That's a concern. 
Uh, can he play football again after the injury? That's a concern. But he also said, I think earlier this week or on Sunday, because uh, he was spotted right in the owner's box and, and people yeah. were saying maybe he's going to transition to a front office career. He was very much clear that he still wants to play and he's still trying to play again. And there's no room for him in Washington. Uh, the Redskins aren't going to get much for him in a trade because no one knows about his health. So if you can get him for a late pick and maybe conditional, depending if he ever plays, um, someone who's familiar with the offense. And I, I, I think Alex Smith, maybe not at age 36 after this injury, but the quarterback Alex Smith was is the exact kind of quarterback the Bears need. Someone I mean, who Matt just, was his old offensive coordinator. Right. And he, he had him looking like an MVP candidate for half the year. Now he does. So, I mean, his cap hit is 21.4 million and his a lot of, 32, a, 2 million. A lot of his cap hit, I believe, is in bonuses, which would fall on the Redskins. So his base salary, I think, is actually pretty manageable for the Bears. Yeah. Well, you still have the cap hit either way, but like the cash, you wouldn't have to deal with the cash. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, it's just it all comes down to his health. But if you get healthy, Alex Smith, even if he's thirty-six, someone who can just—this is what they need. They just need someone who can make basic throws and execute his offense as designed. You don't need a big arm guy coming to mentor Trubisky like he did Mahomes. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think Trubisky is probably a lost cause no matter what, but, uh, yeah. he's an outside the box candidate that I think I would like. Um, but again, who knows? I mean, we haven't seen this guy run, so we have no idea if he can play football again. Okay. Of course, we don't know if Mr. Trubisky can play football either. <laughs> I, I think the answer, I think we do know. I think the answer is <laughs> no. We have figured, we've figured it out. That's right. Uh, all right, Sean. Excellent stuff as. Always, my man. Good to talk to you. Last time before 2020. Last podcast before the decade. And I hope hope Ryan likes Star Wars. If Jason Garrett is fired, we'll probably stumble into the podcast studio and fire something up. Um, But, you know, if Jason Garrett's fired, I'll pop champagne for Cowboys fans and we'll do a podcast. I think Uh, you can probably get Jared Dubin on the line considering how happy he'll be. Yeah, he's like swinging naked from a chandelier. <laughs> um, the uh, oh yeah, Saturday recap. We'll have our picks pod on. Uh, I'm all lost. So this is going up on Chris on New Year's Eve, <laughs> Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Day. Ryan Wilson, Chris Trapasso, draft podcast. The day after, on the second, we will have us doing or recapping our bold predictions. A great conversation about stable fan bases. Uh, and then Friday will be our pick show, and then. On Saturday, we'll recap the games from Saturday, and then Sunday, we'll recap the games from Sunday. So tons of podcasts coming for you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your uh, New Year's Eve, and be safe and whatnot. Talk to you guys next year. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.